It is a great honor uh, to be here in Dallas with you. Uh, can I just tell you, it was quite the journey to get here. Apparently, you guys had bad storms yesterday. And, uh, and so anyway, quite the journey, man, and uh, uh, to get here. But I'm here at 2.30 this morning. Made it finally and uh, laid down long enough to wake up and, uh, and get dressed. But, uh, man, I, when I say this, I don't, I don't mean it lightly. Like, I really love Brandon and Mishi and really believe in them. And, uh, and it was very easy for Bold City Church to stand with them and believe that, that God would use them and you guys to build something great here. And so when you sit in this school, um, and I want to remind you, don't despise these days. Because a foundation is being laid and something great is going to be built here. And lives are going to be changed forever. And, uh, and uh, there's a great work happening here. So, my name is Jason. And I'm all the way from Jacksonville, Florida, which had great weather yesterday. And that is my wife, Tiffany. Uh, and, uh, and she is awesome and amazing because she has four kids. Uh, those three are ours. And then I'm her fourth one. So, she makes sure that... Uh, I am uh, taken care of and being responsible. And, uh, but anyway, that's our oldest on the bottom here, JC. She's five. Maylee, she's three. I'm holding her. And then there's my boy, Liam, who is 13 months old, and he is awesome. He's walking and talking, well, trying to talk. Uh, but anyway, uh, great family, man. And uh, they're, uh, they wanted to come, but I was like, ah, have you ever traveled with a bunch of kids before? I said, no, nah, I'm good. I just want to carry my bag this time, all right? So, uh, so they, but they will come one day. Um, so you guys are in this series, Jesus Peace, right, about the Holy Spirit. And so I'm actually thrilled that I can come and talk to you about the Holy Spirit. Uh, we believe so much uh, in the work of the Holy Spirit in the believer's life in our church that we literally have rebooted how we do discipleship and how we um, connect people to the greater purpose in the church, it, like it's the second biggest like foundational piece that we talk about uh, in what would be like a growth track. So for us, the first thing is we talk about the vision and the heart of the church, because if you can't get behind that or, or see like, hey, that's something I want to be a part of, then that's okay. You, there's, there's a bunch of churches out there, and we want people to have the chance to, to find where they fit. Then the next piece is the power piece. It's the, the transformation piece, which is the work of the Holy Spirit. And we believe it's, uh, it's, it's so foundational uh, for, for the believer's life. And, and the Holy Spirit gets um, a bad rep sometimes. And, uh, and I listened to Pastor Brandon's messages, and I thought it was absolutely amazing when he talked about the ladies weave falling out and the guy who would get up and run and run into the wall. And, and so... A lot of people are scared because of something they've seen or something they've heard or something they've been taught about the Holy Spirit. They're scared of him. They think he can be weird. And let me tell you, the Holy Spirit's never, ever, ever been weird. He's just rested or come upon weird people before. And so people are weird. The Holy Spirit isn't. So there's nothing to be scared of. And what I teach you today, what I talk about today, will probably challenge you maybe a little bit on, on maybe some things you've heard. Uh, but stay with me and trust me that this is, uh, this is big. Do you believe that being filled with the Holy Spirit was really important to Jesus? 
Um, if you answer yes, that's the right answer. If you answer no, it's the wrong answer. And let me tell you, because in Luke 24, 49, Jesus tells the disciples, and you see this all through Scripture, he tells them uh, that I'm going to send you what my Father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. And so he promises this new outfit, essentially, that there's going to be power that comes upon you Right? And it's power from on high. And it's a big deal. In fact, that you know, there's five things in the four Gospels that are in all four Gospels. And one of them is uh, the filling of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit coming, the great comforter, right? Uh, I did a series on this two years ago for our church, and it changed our church when we dove into this. We talked about who he is, the fact that the Holy Spirit is actually your helper. He, he actually exists to help and to lead you and to guide you. He's your God. He's a part of the Trinity. He's not like some, some lower level part of heaven. He's actually a part of the Trinity. He's, he's, he's really important, right? He's your helper and he's your friend. I mean, that's what the Holy Spirit, he's your friend. He wants to literally be with you daily to lead you and to guide you. In fact, in the Lord's Prayer, when you pray, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one, you're actually praying for your friend, the Holy Spirit, to lead you and to guide you through life, right? And then one of the other things we always talked about is like his personality. What is the personality of the Holy Spirit like? Well, I don't have time to like dive into that today, but trust that he does have a personality. He does enjoy. He does feel. He does, um, he does like, he likes to fellowship and be with you. Um, and then we talked about in that series, the day of Pentecost and when he showed up, what happened when he showed up. We know Jesus told them to go to this place and to wait, I'm going to send what my father promised, right? The comforter, the, the, uh, the Holy Spirit, right? And so on the day of Pentecost, we see what happened when he showed up. You took Peter, who denied Christ three times, right? And then was reinstated by Christ and then had the faith to go and wait for, for what Jesus said was coming. And when the Holy Spirit filled him, you see moments later, G, uh, uh, Peter preaches the first ever sermon of the first church. And guess what? Thousands of people get saved. So this is the guy uh, days before denied Christ three times and now he was declaring Christ. So when the Holy Spirit showed up on the day of Pentecost, he showed up in power. And he changed and transformed Peter's life. Jesus declared that Peter was a new creation in Christ, but the Holy Spirit empowered him to live as the new creation in Christ. And that's what we're going to dive in and and talk about today. So I want to show you in Scripture that there is three baptisms. Okay, so this might be different because most people, when you come to them and you talk to them about baptisms, they'll be like, there's one baptism. It's the water baptism. And they're right, there is a water baptism, but we can actually see in Scripture that there's three, and it's important for us to see this because it will change how you see the Holy Spirit. You guys with me? You still here? You sleepy? Come on, you didn't fly in at 2.30 in the morning. Come on, you got to wake up, all right? Let's do this. So to be, to be baptized means to be dipped, to be completely submerged. Like there's no ounce of you that is not touched by whatever you're being baptized by, right? And so that's why when you're baptized in water, like you're immersed. You go completely under and come out, right? That's what baptism means. So the first baptism that there is in Scripture that you will see is the Holy Spirit baptizes us in Jesus. This is called the baptism 
of the Holy Spirit. Okay, yeah, well, I've heard that. It's different than the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Now, I might be confusing some of you, so, so let's talk about it. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is when the Spirit leads man to God, leads man to Jesus, right? And this is the first baptism that happens. Even people that believe there's only one baptism actually <laughs> believe that there's two and don't realize it because the baptism of the Holy Spirit is when the Spirit of God draws us to Jesus. And then this is what we call salvation. This is where we get immersed in the finishing work of the cross, you guys with me, right? This is where what Jesus did on the cross becomes real for us, right? And so nobody, nobody comes to Jesus except by the Spirit's wooing. So if you say, man, I found God, you're actually, we're actually wrong. We never find God. God found us, right? And so that's what the Holy Spirit does. He comes and he begins to draw you. Listen, nobody went and knocked on God's door and says, hey, I heard you're pretty awesome. I'd love for you to change my life. In fact, they feel this prompting. They feel this moving, right? They hear this message. They hear the word and it changes their heart and it opens it so that they can receive the finishing work of the cross. That's how Calvary becomes real for you and I is because the Holy Spirit immerses us in all that Jesus did. And so you get everything. Look at uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 13. You get everything that Jesus did on the cross, the victory, the atonement for sin. You get it all because the Holy Spirit takes you there. Uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 13. Some of us are Jews, some of us are Gentiles, some are slaves, and some are free. But we have all been baptized into one body. What is that? The body of Christ, right? By one spirit, and we all share the same spirit, Right? So right there, it tells us the Holy Spirit is the one that baptizes us in the one body, into the one Savior, which is Jesus, right? You guys still there? Here's the second baptism, and I have a lot to go through, so I'm going to keep it moving if you're all right. It's the baptism of the disciple. So this is what happens where when someone gets saved, then the disciple, you or I, who, who, who's classified as a disciple? Anybody that follows Jesus. So anybody that follows Jesus can baptize somebody. You just have to be a, a disciple. That's the requirement, right? And so this is where the brother or the sister uh, immerses us into, into the water and we come out. It's a declaration that we're a new creation. It's saying that the old is dead and that the new is here, right? It's, it's going public with your faith, right? It's going public with what has, has already happened, what the Holy Spirit has already did within you when he brought you to Jesus and you were immersed in Jesus and what he did on the cross. It's a sign, but it's more than a sign. It's a cutting of the flesh. It's leaving the old life behind. So when you're water baptized, you're saying, hey, this is a fresh start, a new beginning for me. The old me is gone. The new is here. I'm following Jesus, right? Matthew 28, 19, we know in the Great Commission, it tells us to do this. Therefore, go and make disciples, right, of all nations. So you go with the power of the Holy Spirit within you, and you go and share the good news, and people begin to follow Jesus because it changes their life, right? And then you're to baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. 
And so there's two baptisms that we know that we can see in Scripture. Baptism of the Holy Spirit where he brings you to Jesus and and he introduces you to the grace and the mercy and the goodness of Jesus. And then after that, a, a brother or a sister, a disciple baptizes you in water. You're going public with, hey, I'm, I'm following Jesus. Jesus has changed my life. I'm a new creation in Christ, like Paul says, right? But then here's the third baptism that we will see uh, in Scripture, and it's where we're going to hang out a lot today, and we're going to talk about it. It's when Jesus baptizes us in the Holy Spirit. And I know what some of you are thinking, like, hold on, are you saying when I'm saved, I don't have the Holy Spirit? I'm not saying that at all, because there's no way for you to be saved if the Holy Spirit isn't working within you and on you, right? What I'm saying that when we get baptized in the Holy Spirit, when we begin to follow Jesus and he takes us to this new place, right, which is what he did with the disciples, it's not about you actually really even getting more of the Holy Spirit. He's given us unlimited access to him, all right? And, and, and like, he's uncontainable. We, that's why we are to overflow with the Spirit is because you can't store all of him up in you. And the reason why is because he's in all of us and he's all over and he's part of the Trinity. Like, you can't, you can't put him in a bag and hold him down. Baptism in the Holy Spirit is actually more about the Holy Spirit getting all of us. So Jesus is telling us that the baptism in the Holy Spirit is actually saying, hey, I'm going to release my life to be spirit-led, to, be, to, to give the Holy Spirit access to all areas of my life. The way I like to say it, uh, a lot of times when you get saved, Holy Spirit comes and moves inside of you. He comes and lives within you. He takes up residency inside of you, right? But here's what a lot of us will do when we get saved. We'll let them move in. But then we'll say, here's your room and here's your area, and this is where you can hang out. But don't come in this room. Come on, anybody got kids where you're like, you got your room, but you stay out of mom and dad's room? Well, that's not true in my house. They sleep in the bed with us still. We're those parents that when people say, hey, can you give us parenting tips? I'm like, I'm not your dude, all right? You're going to find somebody else because I'm not your dude because... To, to, I have to text my wife and tell her I love her and uh, send her a kiss emoji at night because I'd have two toddlers to crawl over to get to her, and I just ain't got the time for that, right? I'm tired. But, right, like a lot of people will move the Holy Spirit and allow him to move in their life, but then say, this is your section over here. Here, I'll give you Sunday morning at 10 o'clock. I'll give you prayer right before I eat, Right? I'll even give you the area of my life when I'm so desperate and I have those 911 prayers. I'll give you that area because now I need you. But hey, listen, the rest of the time, I got it on my own. Baptism in the Holy Spirit means that, hey, now nah, he has unlimited access. He's got the key to every door in your life. He's got the key to the past in your life that you've been trying to hide and suppress and push down those difficult times. He, listen, he's got the key to your gifts and to your talents. He's got the keys to your family. He's got the keys to your finances, right, where he can lead you and prompt you and move you. You guys with me? This is what this is about. So that, am I saying that if someone isn't baptized in the Holy Spirit, Are they not going to heaven? No, I'm not saying that at all. What I'm saying is that if you're not walking in that fullness 
of being filled with the Spirit, where he comes on you, where you're clothed with power from on high, yeah, you can still go to heaven, but you will limp your way there because you're missing out on what he has for you here. See, God hasn't called us just to live in victory in heaven. He's called us to live in victory here as well. And so that, that is what the Holy Spirit is here to do. He's to help us to live in victory and become all that God has called us to be. Matthew 3.11, I baptize you with water for repentance. Remember, John said this, but after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. John said it there. I baptize you. I give you the disciples' baptism, right? That the, the one that atones the sin. I give you that, right? But, um, but the one who comes after me, Jesus, he's going to baptize you with something completely different that is powerful. Uh, uh, so number three, the third baptism is not the same as number one, as the first baptism. The first baptism is the Spirit of God wooing you and drawing you to God. And this is where you have that altar, that catalyst moment where you encounter Jesus, surrender your life to his lordship, right? And then usually the next step is to be water baptized, to let the world know that, man, I'm, I'm following Jesus. I'm a new creation in Christ. And then Jesus, as we begin to follow him, takes us to the Holy Spirit, to a place to where we can actually be empowered to live as a new creation in Christ. Paul on the road to Damascus encounters Jesus, right? His name was Saul then. And Jesus is like, hey man, why do you persecute me? Has this encounter. He's healed and commissioned into ministry. And so the man who murdered Christians becomes filled with the Holy Spirit and now he becomes like this, this, this legend in, in the kingdom of God. Like he, he's like, because he's so filled with the Holy Spirit. And it's funny because when you look at the story of Paul, you see people look at him and they're still scared of him after he's saved. They're like, hold on, this is the dude who used to kill people for following Jesus. Now he's showing up and preaching Jesus. What's going on here? That is the beautiful work of the Holy Spirit to change and transform you where people don't recognize you. They don't, like, whoa, this person used to be this, but now look at them. Listen, the Holy Spirit changed Paul or Saul so much, it changed his name to Paul. That Jesus can take you to the same Holy Spirit, take you to a place with the same Holy Spirit that lived within him. Remember, Jesus didn't do a miracle until the Holy Spirit descended like a dove on him. Have you ever noticed that like a dove, like he, people think he came in the form of a dove, but it says like a dove. Have you ever hung out with doves at all? And I'm not talking about the chocolate, but I'm talking about birds. They're super skittish birds, right? And so the Holy Spirit, <laughs> this is extra. I don't, I'm just talking. Maybe it's because I got in at 2.30 in the morning. So if, this is, if I'm just rambling, just roll with me, right? He descends and rests on Jesus like a dove. And if you put a dove on your shoulder, you, you can't have any impulsive, sudden movements, anything drastic because it's skittish and you'll run it off, right? So when Jesus walked the earth filled with the Holy Spirit, he walked the earth in such a manner 
that he constantly thought about the Holy Spirit being with him. And hey, I can't move in any way that would offend him or any way that would scare him off, right? And so he moved with the Spirit in mind. Oh, what if the church started doing that? What if the church started living their life, going to work, doing everything they do with the Spirit in mind, right? See power, see change, right? So, so Jesus never did any significant miracle until after the Holy Spirit came and rested on him like a dove. And now he sends that same Holy Spirit to live within you and I. That's why he can make a statement like this. You'll do what I do and greater. Jesus actually said that about us. Why? Because he knows if we will release our life to the, Holy, to, the, to, to, the, to the leadership of the Holy Spirit to lead and guide us, he knows that power will show up, that lives will be changed, that will be different, that the sick will be healed, that the dead will be raised, that the captive will be set free. He knows that, right? And so we see it. We see John talk about it. Um, I'm going to show you in, in, three gospel, in the three other Gospels as well. Uh, this is really important, um, that this baptism in the Holy Spirit, because it, it happens, uh, there's five things that happen in all four Gospels. The birth of Jesus, the death of Jesus, the resurrection of Jesus, the feeding of 5,000, and the baptism in the Holy Spirit. You can see it in all four Gospels. And so those five things are in all four. So it's a really big deal. Mark 1, 8, I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Luke 3, 16, John answers them all, I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than I will come. The straps of whose sandals I'm not worthy to untie, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. John 1, 33, I myself did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, the man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. And so we see it all through the Gospels that, hey, there's three baptisms, Okay, and so if, if, if you disagree with me, it's totally cool. Uh, I have some pushback in my church. I just said, hey, don't argue with me. Just go argue with the word. You know what I'm saying? Because that's, that's truth. And that's one of the main functions of the Holy Spirit as well is to lead you through all truth. And so um, maybe there's not complete submission in our life to the Holy Spirit if we're reading the word and we don't feel like there's any revelation coming from it in our life. Because you're actually not supposed to read the word alone. You're supposed to read the word with the Holy Spirit because he leads you in all truth. And he pulls out the deeper things, right? To where you're like, holy cow, this is for me. For me, that was Isaiah 61.1. When I read that scripture, it was like, the Holy Spirit was like, this is your life scripture. This is what I want you to do. And there's no chance that I would have uh, captured that if I was reading it just on my own. There's three things in Scripture that we see that are a pattern. And we see it here with these baptisms, right? That there is salvation. You see it all through Scripture. Salvation, deliverance, right? Um, God moving his people to the promised land. You see water, right? That, that, that there's water, which is, is a sign of a cleansing, right? And you see spirit. 
Spirit is a sign of, of the presence and the power of God. Salvation is, is a sign of atonement and, uh, and a price being paid. Acts 2, 38. Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Right? So right there you see it, that Peter says, Repent, be saved. Right? For the Repent for the, the forgiveness of your sins. Be baptized, right? So, so let your old life die and, and your new life live, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Acts 8, 12. And this is five years after Pentecost. So anybody that says that, um, uh, that Pentecost was that day and is dead since, listen, it's, no, no, don't believe that, all right? Do you even know what the word Pentecost means? Like, I, I love this because I used to tell people all the time, uh, I grew up in Assembly of God Church, which is a Pentecostal church. Um, I used to tell people all the time, they'd be like, hey, what denomination are you? I'd be like, I'm Pentecostal, right? Anybody, anybody grew up Pentecostal? All right, yes, all right, three of you, four of you, all right. All right, so this church is about to get crazy then. It's going to be absolutely amazing. And, uh, and I didn't even know until I began to study this what the word Pentecostal even meant. Is there anybody 50 years old in this building right now? You, my friend, are Pentecostal. Because the word Pentecost actually means 50. That's what it means. So you really can't even be Pentecostal unless you're 50. And you can only be that for 365 days. And then you're not Pentecostal anymore. All right? Because the word Pentecost actually means 50. And right? And so this is... 50 days after Passover is when they were in the upper room at the Feast of Pentecost, right? The celebration of, hey, God has delivered us, and now he's leading us and guiding us, is when the Holy Spirit came in the upper room, filled them. And so you see in Acts chapter 2, that happens. But then in Acts chapter 8, the five years after Pentecost, you see this happen. But when they believed Philip, as he proclaimed the good news of the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Acts 8, uh, 14 through 17, when the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John to Samaria. When they arrived, they prayed for the new believers there that they might receive the Holy Spirit. So this is five years after Pentecost. They're praying for them to receive the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit had not yet come on any of them. So these people had been saved and water baptized, but the Holy Spirit had not come upon any of them based off the scripture right here, um, and it says they had simply been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Peter and John placed their hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. What about in Acts chapter 10, when you see the Gentiles receive the Holy Spirit? That was 10 years after Pentecost. So that whole idea that the Holy Spirit moved like that that day, and he doesn't move like that anymore. Listen, based off the book of Acts, there is no time stamp on how the Holy Spirit moves and when he moves. He continues to move. Acts 19, this is 25 years after the day of Pentecost, the, the, the day that people were originally filled with the Holy Spirit. Check this out. While Apollos was at Corinth, 
Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. There he found some disciples and asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They answered, no, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. So Paul asked, then what baptism did you receive? John's baptism, they replied. Paul said John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told the people to believe in the one coming after him, that is, in Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. When Paul placed his hands on, on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. There was about 12 men in all. And so there's that word tongues. And so uh, many people always equate the baptism in the Holy Spirit with tongues. In fact, there's even denominations that say you're not filled with the Holy Spirit unless you speak in tongues. And, uh, and so no one growing up really ever explained tongues to me. They basically said, get right here at this altar and you stay here until you receive the Holy Spirit and you'll know it because you'll be praying in tongues. And so I was, okay, so I dig in at the altar, and I'm like, it's not happening, right? So do I not have the Holy Spirit? And I, I want to go ahead and, and demystify that myth. Listen, can you pray in tongues? Absolutely. There's a corporate tongue that we see as a gift in 1 Corinthians, right? But there's also a private tongue where the Holy Spirit prays through you, right, for you. And you can operate in that. And you can have that. And it's not for just some. It's, it is access for anybody. And, and so don't get discouraged or don't be scared of it because it's actually not weird and crazy. In fact, you can thank the gift of tongues for you sitting here hearing the gospel right now because that's what happened in the upper room. They were filled with the Holy Spirit, began to pray in tongues. But at that time, because it was the Feast of Pentecost, there was literally Jews from everywhere, from every nation, from every language that was there in Jerusalem at that moment. So when they began to pray in tongues, they began to hear the sovereign message of God, how much he loved them and the grace that Jesus poured. And then Peter stands up because these people are like, how are these, how are these, guys, how are these guys talking in our language? And so Peter stands up and preaches the first sermon and 3,000 people get saved, right? And so that right there was the catalyst to spreading the gospel throughout all the earth right there. So, so I wouldn't be too harsh on it because you don't understand it because whether you accept it or receive it or not, um, it has an impact in your life. You're sitting here because God used that gift, right? And so... Uh, don't be scared of that word. I'm going to talk about it more in just a minute. First um, Corinthians 10 is a great example for us. For I do not want any of you to be ignorant of the fact, brothers and sisters, that our ancestors were all under the cloud, which is a sign of the Holy Spirit, and that they all passed through the sea, through the water, right? They were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea, right? So Moses is seen as this great deliverer that takes them out of bondage, right? And remember, they were led by the cloud, right? And, and, and headed to the promised land. God parted the sea. They walked through the sea. And so you see these three things at work in the Old Testament, uh, even then. And it still works that way today, except we don't have to worry about Moses because <laughs> we have Jesus. 
So Moses was a JV illustration of what Jesus would be. This deliverer, right? This one that could do for you what you couldn't do for yourself. That's exactly who Jesus is. And the Holy Spirit leads us, right, and guides us and allows us to be this new creation in Christ. Let me, let me show you this. In, in the Old Testament, you can see Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You can see salvation. You can see water. You can see uh, uh, oil, fire. You can see the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Um, so I'm going to get on my whiteboard here. Uh, do you remember in the Old uh, Testament, the tabernacle of Moses? Does anybody know anything about that? And so uh, here's the beautiful thing when Jesus, on the day of Pentecost, and he said, man, this thing's hard to get off. On the day of Pentecost, when Jesus sent the Holy Spirit to live within us, he now gave us the opportunity to fellowship with the Father. In the Old Testament, a priest had to do it. There was the tabernacle of Moses, and there was a place that they, they entered, right, like a door and a hallway, and then it went to another place, right, and this is, don't, don't make fun of my drawing, I'm not very good at it. So the priest would come in right here, but this place, there was the veil, this was called the Holy of Holies. Anybody ever heard of that, right? Come on, you guys awake? I feel like this thing might fall. Right, so here's the Holy of Holies. And so this is, this, this is how beautiful God is. He shows you what he's trying to do long, long, long ago. This shows you how in control he actually is. So in the tabernacle of Moses, the first thing that you had, when you walked in, you had an altar that a sacrifice had to be made on, right? And so the priest would enter, and they would give a sacrifice. The next thing is you would have a basin, right? with water to wash, the cleansing. And then the third thing is you would have a lampstand, right, with, that you would put oil on, right, for fire. So three things happened when the priest walked in. He gave a sacrifice, right, for the people. He washed a, as a symbolic thing of, of a sign of a cleansing. And then oil, a flask of oil, right, so ignited a fire. And then he walked into this place, and this place was called the Holy of Holies. It's an inner sanctuary. It was like the, the most sacred place on earth to be. This is where God's presence was residing. Now, if you remember in the Old Testament, if you uh, skipped the sacrifice or you skipped the washing or skipped the oil and you went through that veil into the Holy of Holies, what would happen to you? I'm sorry, I can't hear you. You die, right? And so here, here's what happens today. Here's the beautiful thing. There's still a holy of holies that God wants to take us to. There's a place. It's called intimacy, secret place, right? But you can't get there unless there's been a sacrifice for you. And the sacrifice is Jesus, Right? You can't get there unless there's been a cleansing, water baptism, right? And you can't get there without any oil. So you need the oil, right? And that's the place. See, this is what happens. This is why people look at the, the Christian and they're like, okay, they've changed, they've transformed. 
But have you ever looked at somebody who's following Jesus and you've just been like, holy cow, they're at a different place, a different level. They seem to be walking so close with God, right? It's because they've tapped in to not only Jesus, the cleansing, and, but the oil as well. And it takes them to a new place with God, a new place of intimacy. Here's what happens a lot in church. A lot of people are cool with the sacrifice. Everybody's like, yeah, thanks, Jesus, right? You laid down your life. You died for me. That's awesome. Thanks a lot. I'm cool with that. Some of us are cool with the water. All right. Hey, yeah, I get it. The old is gone. The new is here. I'm cool. I'm, like, I'm okay with that. Not all of us. But there's a lot of people in church today that are scared of the oil, that they're scared of the spirit because somebody's preached it crazy, they've heard something crazy, they've seen something crazy, or they don't know enough about it so they don't understand it, so they stay away from it. And this is why so many of us run in church for a season and then out of church for a while. And this is why you, you, you find yourself struggling with the same things over and over again because you're cool with this and some of you are cool with that, but some of us ain't cool with this at all, but we're trying to get here and we're wondering why we can't get here. This is why the church looks dead because they're saying they're going here, but they're forgetting something here. Make sense? You guys with me? I know I didn't come in and like get you all excited. I'm like super teachy today, but we are in a school and we meet in a school, so I have the right to do that, right? Jesus is our sacrifice. It's up to us to put our body in the water and declare that we are cleansed, right? It's up to a brother or sister to help us to do that. And then it's up to us to release by faith, God, you know what? I want to be spirit-led. Holy Spirit, if you've got more for me, I want it, whatever it is. And to invite him, not just to move in and hang out, but to literally give him access to every area of your life. Some of you, some of you want to be free from your past. You know, uh, we, we, my, my Eastern side of each and every single one, that's the rooster, right? There's a rooster inside of each and every single one of us. If you remember that Jesus told Peter that, that you, you'll deny me three times and you'll know it happened when the rooster crows, right? I don't know anybody. You guys are in Texas. I'm sure you got roosters around here. You ever been around a rooster that crows at the crack of dawn every day? My grandparents had them. I mean, I wanted to kill them. I mean, it stood right by the window at their house and would crow. And it'd still be dark. and be like, man, the sun's not even out. Why is he already crowing, right? Peter heard that rooster crow, and when he heard that rooster crow, he knew he was filled with uh, despair. He was depressed. Uh, he was overwhelmed. He was shattered because he knew what he said he wouldn't do, and Jesus said he would do it. He actually did it. And so Peter mopes on and goes back to what he used to do, but then Jesus calls them to the beach one day, right? And um, they're going to eat breakfast. And, and they're sitting there around a fire and eating breakfast. And Jesus reinstates Peter to ministry, right? Because remember, way before Peter ever even denied Christ, Christ knew what Peter was going to become. He says, Peter, upon this rock, I'll build my church. He knew he was going to be a foundational piece 
to the launching of the first church, right? And so, so you, see, you see Jesus reinstate him. You know those days between Jesus reinstating him and when Peter denied Christ? Do you know every time a rooster crowed what it did to Peter? It was that constant reminder of his failure in his past. But here's what Jesus does, and this is the work of the Holy Spirit. When he shows up and reinstates him, right? He says, feed my lamb, feed my sheep. He actually, I don't even have time to get into this, but we think he says the same thing three times. He actually doesn't say the same thing three times. He actually identifies three different uh, people groups because in the Aramaic, and that's what Jesus spoke, he actually talks about the male sheep and the female sheep. And then he, all, he, uh, he also references the Gentiles when he, when he talks about feeding my lambs, right? And so uh, these are the three people groups that Peter ended up pastoring. So he actually, a- he actually asked him to feed these three different people groups uh, is what he was doing. But he reinstated him because he, he, he gave him forgiveness. And it impacted Peter in such a way that when Jesus said, go to this place and wait here for what my Father has promised, I'm ascending, I'm going to sit at the right hand of the Father. It's important that I go so I can send him to come and fill you. And Peter had enough faith to do that and to believe it, right? Listen, the Holy Spirit's job inside of you is to silence that rooster that keeps crowing inside of you. Just like Peter, he will do it. That bad relationship, those failures, whatever it is that you spend so much time trying to get away from or to change or never to address, the Holy Spirit can actually silence that. 